0: July 2020 is here, and with it, the Stop Hate for Profit initiative, a boycott on Facebook ads. Should your law firm hit pause on Facebook ads? I'm Leah Levy, co-founder of Nanato Media, and this is In Camera Podcast, where we always hit pause on hate, never on brand growth. Private Legal Marketing Conversations. Grace, how are you today? Good, how are you? I'm great, Grace. And just as we were commenting, very, very busy week. Um, A lot is is happening and it's July, right?
1: I know, it's crazy. Every day is crazier.
0: It is crazier and it's just passing through our eyes in just one blink. It's so, so, so hard to believe. That's just, it's almost going to be five months now since we were at AAJ in New Orleans, right? The last convention that we've attended. And so uh, it's already July. So I'm actually talking about AAJ. Next week would have been AAJ in Washington City Annual Conference. So, yeah, very, um, very impressive the turn on events that uh, this year has had on us. And talking about that, Grace, you know, uh, we've mentioned last week that in July, many large brands were pulling out of Facebook ads, right? And so as of today, we're already one day into this boycott. And uh, as you may remember, it's called the hashtag StopHateForProfit. And nice. so, great. Here's the part that is very interesting, right? Because last week, when you and I recorded the episode, when we were first talking about it, Facebook actually, that same day after we recorded, I heard uh make some statements saying that they were gonna start putting um, notes and identifying posts that are classified as containing hateful speech and so forth and so on right and so that happened as a result of them having lost uh, uh, up to 60 billion in valuation right and so people started commenting and saying well you know what it is working. But the reality is that up until uh, yesterday, they've already recovered that $6 billion valuation. And the fact that up to 500 or uh, big name organizations have joined the uh, Stop Hate From Profit doesn't necessarily harm Facebook ads revenue that terribly, right? Of course, lost dollars are lost dollars, but the bottom line is that they're not really losing that much at revenue. Why? Because uh, the Facebook ads ecosystem is made out by a ton of uh, of small businesses, right? And right. so while they're still around, and they're still spending, you know, it doesn't necessarily gonna uh, impact a lot, um, their revenue stream, of course, from the PR standpoint is where the damage is. And what people are saying also, Grace, is that this could be the actual beginning to a new trend. Like, that's really what this... Uh, where this movement can have a lasting impact. It's kind of setting up a trend where advertising in Facebook is no longer regarded as a good thing, and then over time, it could really have a more lasting effect, something that can definitely have a bigger damage to Facebook as an advertising platform and as a business as a whole, right? So right. I think it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. But as you and I talked last week, right? I mean, this could be an opportunity. Uh, if you have been outspoken about the way that uh, Facebook conduct business, then this is an opportunity to stand up, support the cause, and do it openly so that your community knows what are you doing, what are you standing up for. Now, it's important to mention, Grace, that the fact that you're not going to be advertising in Facebook, if that's what you decide to do, doesn't mean that you cannot continue using the part, the platform for organic reach within your community. Right. So right. everyone like Ben and Jerry's that they are pulling all of their, uh, advertising money for the month of July. Uh, it doesn't mean that they're going to stop posting organically on Facebook as a platform, right? Just that they don't want to spend, they don't want to invest their money to pay, to send out this message. So Grace, I think, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this uh, plays out. I think uh, we're going to be able to see really what impact does this have on CPM for uh, all of those who stayed in the platform. But I can tell you that over the past uh, 36 hours that I've been uh, looking at Facebook, like I haven't felt at any point that there are less advertisers uh, in my uh, timeline feed. So it's just more visibility for other brands, uh, particularly to me as a user, You know, I haven't seen any of the usual brands that usually target me gone away. But honestly, all of those brands that are targeting me, I've never heard of them in my life. So um, it's just interesting, right? How is this being uh, received and how is this uh, playing out? But uh, definitely uh, something that has already taken the attention of, of Facebook and, and it may lead to uh, some more changes from them. So I good, I think it's good from the standpoint that, it, you know, people's voices are being heard and it's opening up for a conversation. We all, I mean, honestly, as, as, as somebody who, who uses Facebook to advertise and to help our clients grow their business through that platform, I do want to see that platform become a better ecosystem where people feel more comfortable to connect, to engage, and they are not so polarized about the idea of using or not Facebook, right? And so it's a great opportunity. But here is the other thing, Grace, uh, that we, you know, it's coming kind of like as a um, scaling consequence to this so some companies they didn't just went out and said we're pulling out of facebook they just cut all of their social media advertising in light of this so that also you know bulks in Facebook and Twitter, sorry, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, uh, Snapchat, even, right? And so I think really these other media platforms that don't have the revenues that Facebook generates, I think they're probably gonna be the ones that are gonna be, they're gonna get harmed the most, right? I think, if I'm not mistaken, that it was Coca Cola that they've just said, we're gonna pull out all of our advertising from social media from now until the, the rest of the year. And so that you know, maybe for a Facebook it may not cost a dent, but uh, for other platforms like a Snapchat or so, yeah, that you know they may not uh, welcome that very well, and it may actually impact their uh, revenue stream uh, in a more meaningful way. So it, that's that sort of generalization that uh, some brands are making—they're just you know jumping on board this and also just cutting off everything else in social media—that can be an issue for some platforms. But with that said. Uh, I also wanted to to mention that it's a good opportunity for those who are taking steps and not advertising on Facebook this month then to try new things right I mean there's snapchat as we've said there's Twitter which can be interesting right I mean yeah Twitter can be, be in- different for sure it's it, yeah it definitely can be interesting and then again if you if you if you are in the in the in the business of uh, wanting to be relevant for Zoomers. I mean, TikTok is such a powerful uh, place to be, right? Um, I, I think for law firms, it's kind of like a stretch right now to figure out a way to be relevant in TikTok as an advertiser, yeah. but uh, it doesn't mean that there is not an opportunity for that, right? 16, 17 year olds, like they drive, they are uh, close enough to become adults. And, you know, there's all kinds of legal representation that can uh, be relevant to them within the next two, three, four years in their lives. And so it's, it's about generating awareness, letting them know who you are, that you're there. And so the data will need you, they'll call you. So Grace, that's one thing. That's one thing. We talked about that last week. Now, another thing you and I talked last week about was the uh, big settlement for Roundup, $10 billion, right? Right. So that was announced on on Wednesday, and I was actually very interested about your opinion in it and saying, ah, $10 billion, yes, it is a lot, but then again, how many people got affected by it and how many people lost their lives due to this? And so it kind of put into perspective whether the, the settlement really uh, meets and covers the damage. And the reality, Grace, is that oftentimes, like, you know, you cannot really put price on on, on a person's life. But I think it's always encouraging to see that uh, big and powerful results like these ones are being achieved. And so that definitely brings hope that, you know, uh, justice uh, is possible. Now, Grace, with that said, I think, you know, just this massive news kind of, uh, casted a shadow on another big development that took place last week and actually right a day. I think it was just the day before the, the, the roundup, uh, uh, settlement thing came up. Um, there was another announcement and I, I was just looking at it and it's actually from Johnson and Johnson, right? So the New York Times published on Tuesday, that woman with cancer was awarded billions in baby powder suit i'll just read here the headline Uh, an appellate court in missouri upheld more than two billion in damages against johnson and johnson saying the company knew there was asbestos in its powder now grace let me just go on a little bit further and here it says, a Missouri appeals court on Tuesday ordered, and so this is Tuesday, June 23rd, ordered Johnson & Johnson and a subsidiary to pay $2.1 billion in damages to, wo- to women who blamed their ovarian cancer on the company's talcum products, including its iconic baby powder. The decision slashed by more than half a record award of $4.69 billion in compensation and punitive damage to the women, which was made in July 2018. So, Grace, I mean, if you continue reading this, you know, and uh, you probably read it, it says that there are still thousands of lawsuits uh, that are still open on this. Johnson and Johnson still claims that their talcum powder is safe right? And on the other hand, we have Mark Linear here, the lawyer, right? Representing this lawsuit saying, just discard it, right? It's dangerous. Nobody should be using it. So I know you're very passionate about this particular tort. And what does this mean, Grace? So in July 2018, Uh, no, it were, um, a settlement of $4.69 million once, uh, awarded. Now we have a 2.1 billion. Is that a good trend? Uh, it doesn't really mean much. And what can we expect to happen with a still open lawsuit?
1: Okay. So for this, there's actually two things that are, that need to be looked at when it comes to that specific article in particular. And that is the fact that they're mentioning asbestos. That is actually a separate separate issue that they have found when they, okay, so they did a test lot apparently on talcum products that came out and in the test lot that they did, it was found that they had asbestos in a couple of the, uh, probably two lots I believe um, of the test and asbestos, obviously we know asbestos causes cancer right i mean that's where the mesothelioma cancer and all of those cancers uh that cancer in particular came from was because of asbestos and inhalation of asbestos so if these women are using talcum products that have asbestos in them as was seen in the test lots that that's immediate essentially an almost immediate link to cancer correct because we already have precedents stating asbestos causes cancer so That is something separate and distinct from the fact that they're claiming that talc causes, it's potentially, okay. So that's the thing is potentially separate and distinct from the fact that talc causes ovarian cancer because of talc in and of itself. Maybe not necessarily because of the asbestos that's in it. So there's a couple of things that have to be looked at. Again, we're back to that scientific thing right now. The thing with Johnson and Johnson is they are so large, they are so big that they've already decided what they're going to do. They're going to settle on the ones that they wanna settle on. They're going to stop selling talcum products in the United States. And they are going to continue selling it outside of the United States. Their claims are obviously that it has nothing to do with their talcum powder causing ovarian cancer that they will vehemently say that that did not do that and it will, that they will not do that at all and it will never continue to do that to anybody. But in the interest of sales, they are leaving, okay? So I don't think Johnson & Johnson will ever agree, to, no matter what comes out, then
0: that's why they settle. So, so, so Grace, I, I mean, I, I do have a question, and I... Yes. I, you know... Isn't isn't and I and I go back to my hotel management world, uh days right and so here was kind of like a rule we'd always had to live by. Uh, whenever somebody I guess would come and complain right, we had to be very very careful about how were we gonna respond to that claim because uh, if somebody, for instance, was alleging that they got food poisoning after consuming food or beverage in one of our outlets, and we were to respond in a way saying, well, let me compliment your stay or your meal or something, right? At that point, we would be admitting guilt by taking that action, right? right. And so isn't Johnson & Johnson kind of a already admitting guilt by paying $2 billion for something that they say we did not like? Otherwise, why would they pay a settlement that is so high, right? Well, it seems to us very, very high for Johnson & Johnson, maybe not that terrible, but uh, still, doesn't that send a different message? Like, yes, I'll pay you for your damages that uh, you're saying were caused because of the use of my product, but it was not my fault. How, you know, how how does that contradiction play out?
1: So it's more like um, the Florida no-fault car insurance. You know, if you get in an accident, whether it's your fault or not, doesn't matter, it's no fault in in Florida. So you'll have to go to court to figure out whose fault it is. Well, even in court, you can settle, and there's no admission of guilt. So that's exactly what this is. This is not an admission of guilt. It's saying we believe you believe that. And in the interest of getting rid of this problem, and taking care of your pain and suffering, we are going to settle. That's what that is. It's never going to be, I did this, because the admission of guilt obviously would require them to remove everything, period. And Johnson & Johnson is too big of a company with too many products to admit guilt, particularly in this instance. And I wouldn't be surprised if after they settle everything that there's a gag order of some sort. People can't speak about it or... You know, as part of the settlement, you know, you you can't say anything but negative about t- talcum powder products by from Johnson and Johnson.
0: So great. What does this now mean for the remaining uh, lawsuits that are open for this? Is like you know, as a master, is talc something that is still still has momentum? Are we reaching out a point where? The opportunity is getting way too narrow for more uh, positive resolutions to come out of this. Where are we in this cycle, right? I mean, I think when we when we talk about Roundup and when we talked about it last week as well, it kind of like, if, it, it feels like these are all coming up as final resolutions. Like, that's it. Like, we're reaching the end. Is, is, is that the same that's happening with alcohol Powder right now? Because Yes,
1: yes. Just short answer is yes. That's exactly what's happening. When you start seeing things settle, it that means it's coming to an end for the most part, and that's the same thing that happened with Roundup, right? As soon as you saw that message go out, that they you know they started settling, that that means it's time to have closed. Or if you weren't in, you're done. So it's getting the same with Talc. We're at the en- getting towards the end of this type of thing. So hopefully you've already you're in it. If you're not in it, you need to be already. Uh, have started it like a month ago or longer. Obviously, um, the later you are in the game, the more expensive it is, and you may not even be able to get a hold of clients anymore because all those clients have been taken up. So, it's a it's a very it's not risky per se, but it can be. Obviously, it can be a risky. Uh, business right because you don't know how these torts are going to pan out exactly I mean you can have a very good idea and if you've been in the industry for a long time you have an uh, even better idea than most but it still has to do with the science what they will admit or not admit and then what they're willing how big they are because they can be too big right like in the case of Johnson & Johnson if they're too big they can fight you forever in court and you may never win But if they're too small, they don't have the money to actually pay out on the injuries. So there's kind of a, what I'd say a sweet spot in the middle, right? Where they, they, one will say, okay, yes, we see that this is what's happened. The science has proven it and we pulled the stuff from the shelves and we'll pay out and we have enough to pay out, but also still continue operations. That's kind of the sweet spot, I'd say. A company that's big enough to actually pay out on the injuries that or negligence that they, they've done to to hurt people, and they pay it out, they take care of their injuries, they admit to it, and they move on. But you have a giant company like Johnson & Johnson, they never have to.
0: Yep. So that's talk.
1: Well, there's one thing I do want to mention that kind of, I'd say, becomes a, a side or byproduct of when things like this happen, right? So just like you said with facebook um and certain people jumping on the bandwagon right and certain people like that's that's their messaging and that's what they do well now we have to think about these cosmetic companies they have talc in all their products what are they going to do are they going to yank it because of all the negative publicity behind what's in talc same with the deodorant companies but i'd say the facial ones in particular it's cosmetics it goes it could potentially go into your eyes it's absorbed by your skin right so um our social media manager actually um her name is, is Lindsay, and she came up with she showed me an article today that came out of Thomson reuters uh very very recently and it was about um revlon chanel l'oreal pivoting away from talc in some of their pro- products And um, there's an actual quote she pulled out because she was, it was very interesting. And what they say in it it says, a Revlon spokesman told Reuters, the company removed talc from its body products, body products. He declined to say when or why. He also declined to comment on litigation. The fact that you're declining to comment on litigation, but you've removed the talc products is just like you said, you are part of, you're representing the company and you have certain things that you're allowed to say and you're not allowed to say, and that's part of it.
0: So do we know anything about FDA's announcements or anything around those lines? Is there second guesses going around about what products may be causing injuries or uh, harming out people using them? Or
1: Unfortunately, yes, it seems to be. If they're taking these types of actions, there seems to be more than just a simple reason, right? If th- that means that they are making that correlation as well and, or they're taking away the negative connotation to talc with their product, right? Because they may not be owned, obviously they're not necessarily owned by Johnson and Johnson, but talc is a big component to most of these, these cosmetic products. So they I'm sure have been noticing and PR wise, you know, public relations, this is something that they should have noticed. Well, as soon as this started happening, and I would have looked for an alternative back then. You know, obviously they that, and I think going forward, that's what they're going to continue to do. They're going to keep taking the talc out of their their products because they're they don't want to be in the same boat as Johnson and Johnson is right now. Even though even though it wasn't necessarily proven that this caused that per se, the fact that they settled and they gave money out for talcum products is a big deal. And so Revlon, L'Oreal, and all these companies that are mentioned in the Reuters article have yanked talc out of their products for a reason. And now you can, of course, extrapolate the information as to why. I mean, it just doesn't look good for them. If talc is settling on all these cases, why are they settling? Like you said, can't you assume? With law, you're not supposed to assume. This has to equal that, and it needs to be proven. That's the way it works. So... They're seeing that public relations-wise, this is not a good move, Unless so they need to move away from talcum, which now has a bad uh, taste in its mouth, in the, in the public eye.
0: Right. So it, from one standpoint, it can just be, as you've said, a PR move, right? They want to not be associated with it. But right. on the other hand, they may be a, a bigger and more uh, meaningful underlying cause, which could be... Uh, Potential harm to uh, the users of these products or these cosmetic products, which we don't know yet We don't know
1: right Right. and it could be both I mean if I were a company that made cosmetic products and I've been making cosmetic products for a hundred years Then and talc was a main component of it. I see all these things coming down the pipeline I would have been aware of that as a company that has this product that has a problem with all these women Women, for the most part, especially in cosmetics—not always, but a large part of the the target demographic is women. So, women now knowing that causes ovarian cancer, or 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 it's being alleged to, well, I'm going to yank talc out of my products because I know you might be putting it on your face, or you might be putting it on your body. Whatever your usage is, I don't want to be associated with that. It's negative.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it makes all the sense in the world. Grace, so. Are we about to scrap Talc, and Roundup? Those are no longer in our list of uh, Masters for 2020. Well, they were, right? They leave their course. But it seems like we are no longer going to have to uh, focus that much on them moving forward. You anticipate more settlements coming up just before this completely dies off? Or was this uh, most likely the last that we've heard?
1: No, I I think there'll be more.
0: Yeah. I think because the more. way, I mean, the, the way this whole thing read, right, with, with thousands of lawsuits open, you kind of wonder, like, uh, is this really uh, the end of it? But it seems like it kind of reached the peak, but it's now kind of like just going to go on a downward journey. Exactly.
1: It's, it's at the bottom of the bell, I'd say, you
0: know. All right, Grace. So we've talked about what's on its way out. Now let's talk about the ones that are right now having its momentum. And I hear you over and over again, put a lot of focus and emphasis on Zantac. What's happening there, Grace? Is it is it really worth its momentum? I don't know. Oh, wow. So
1: um, I don't think any of us really 100% know. Uh, the criteria keeps shifting slightly in terms of what cancers are accepted and how they can link it. So that one is is kind of an emerging tort, you know, it, it well, not really emerging, it's, it's out there already. Um, people are already starting to take in cases, but I'd say this is kind of a good time to get in if it's one thing, if it's a, something that of, is of interest to you. Um, if you feel that the science and everything seem to pan out in, in terms of your own internal research as a lawyer, um, and you've spoken to other lawyers who have dealt with this particular tort, or you've spoken to, um, you know, perhaps some of the people on the, you know, the different MDLs that are going on. Um, if w- there is not one yet, but once they'll start coming together. So, you know, those are, when it comes to a drug in particular, um, obviously Michigan is one of those states that you don't, you don't necessarily want because of the favorable, um, issues or favorable for the, the, um. Not for the plaintiff, rather, for the uh, actual companies. Um, Then other than that, I'd say Zantac may be a good emerging tort for people to kind of look into. Again, for those who don't remember or don't know, it has to do with the elevated levels of NDMA all Zantac was recalled from the shelves, not that long ago. Yeah, I think it was like a month ago, may have been a little longer than that, but it was about a month ago that it was basically completely taken off the shelves. And it had to do with the fact that if it got heated up or it wasn't temperature controlled, the levels of NDMA would elevate. And it was apparently a known or is a known carcinogen. And this was a recall by the FDA for certain lots, at least initially. After the lots, then maybe a month later they were like okay no because it gets heated up that increases the levels of that carcinogen that's in the product we have to take them all off the shelves so there's a sort of a a proof of issue in a way that i think might be something that people need to look at obviously you want a group of different types of cases within your um, docket but um, the, what people are looking for essentially if it's brand, uh, prescription, uh, or over the counter, um, in my mind in from seeing what happened with Roundup and all these other ones, I feel like prescription usage, um, where it's obviously easier to prove because you have your uh, rewards card or something like that, that can prove that you, you know, obviously or you keep buying it. So even if it's generic, let's say, and you, you buy on your rewards card and it shows up as Zantec on the receipts and your rewards, some way of proving the use for at least a year is the biggest thing. And it's continued usage. So if you're able to prove that and then you have a, a decent case and then it's a whole list of cancers that they're kind of looking at. But um, I'd say they primarily have to do with... Um, a prostate cancer um, and cancer's uh, testicular cancer and some cancers thereof unfortunately um, they're a little iffy on the breast cancer and then of course lung cancer because if you were a smoker it, it may obviously that's kind of a disqualifying thing because they, they can't necessarily correlate zantac to your lung cancer if you were a smoker right so those are sort of the things that the people need to look at or think about when they're talking about or looking into getting to zantac as the tort of choice for them and as I've always said before though Liel is separate diversify diversify right don't just put all your eggs in any one basket and that includes one practice area or one tort
0: yeah, I just wanted to get back to you, right? You were asking about how is the uh, demand and search on Zantac been over the past uh, few months? And it's actually been on a, on upward trend pretty much since it, uh, it it came out, right? And yes. particularly uh, since the beginning of this year. Like, I'm looking here from February all the way to May, and it had a month-to-month increase of 15% in February, then on um March, it had uh, another 15% increase over the previous month. Then in April, it has a 32% increase in search volume over the previous month. And in May, 15% over that. So right now, the search volume is very close to 30,000 search queries that are specific, mm-hmm. specifically related to uh, Zantac lawsuit. And so that definitely speaks for quite a significant uh, awareness level here. And I can also see that the cost per click has been increasing, right? I remember the first times when we started looking at the average cost per click on Zantac, it was around $20 and it's now at $30, right? Mm -hmm. So there doesn't seem to be any indication for it to become less expensive in the next coming months. And this is, you know, one of the things that we've noticed with torts is that um, they kind of have been, in a way or another, immune to COVID. Like, uh, the pandemic has not had an impact on the search uh, volume and cost per click on this uh, particular torch. So uh, most of people who are advertising and after these torts, they have kept marketing, they have kept uh, being competitive for them. And for that reason, the price has continued to be driven up. And I, again, like, as you very well said, Grace, like we, you know, while there may still be some uncertainty there, we can only talk about the fact that the, the, the interest in the market for this particular uh, lawsuit has been on, a, on an increase. So uh, more people trying to get on board.
1: Yeah, it's, and like I said, that's why when I saw the recall, I figured it was, a, you know, a month ago, but it's been longer than that, I guess. It must have been in April. And that makes sense because i think that was the first recall and then about a month after that there was another um sort of push on the recall uh, or full recall on all of it not just the specific lots so that makes sense
0: so while we have this happening with roundup and Taug and zantac kind of like still still leaving its momentum but kind of starting to raise uh, quite a bit of question marks what's uh what's another toward grace that may be showing or surprising us uh, in an unexpected way. Is there anything else, Grace, that you've noticed over the past month or so?
1: Well, actually, that's what happened with TALC. The Daubert Standard passed. So those of you that don't remember or recall, Daubert Standard has to do with the science. So a, a judge will decide at that point that this did happen, or this could potentially have caused that, meaning talc could have caused ovarian cancer. When that standard passes, that's when everything goes crazy in terms of they're they're, they're gonna start settling or something's gonna happen, right? And so that's what happened with talc, where as soon as that downward standard passed, everything started happening. And it became a really fantastic tour that if you weren't in, it's gonna be almost impossible in terms of cost to, to get in now, unless you, have people
0: so as of now we haven't seen that we haven't reached that momentum with any other any, the possible towards kind of like under on on development stage
1: not really I'd say the reverse okay. so just like what happened you know with Zantec people are getting a little mm, I don't know but it's still okay maybe that happened with Fire Foam and that happened with the the three M earplugs notice yeah. how people are, haven't talked about the ear- earplugs
0: yeah. And so did, the fire form, fire form is also falling into that category because potentially
1: we don't last time we, we,
0: well, we talked about it, it felt very again very, Good. very solid. yeah,
1: mm-hmm, because it was fire right, it's your fire department, these are government workers, et cetera, et cetera. But there's too much question when it comes to the science. So they're needing to figure out when people absorb it in their you know, their bloodstream or coat themselves in it. What kind of cancers is it causing? You know, because is it testicular cancer? Is this kind of cancer? That kind of cancer? So, and that same thing happened with Zantac. How can they prove that Zantac, people take it 20 years? You know, so how can they prove? And that's where it kind of lies. So it kind of flipped a little bit. Who knows, though? There could be another memo that's found internally, that somebody wrote something, right? And said, oh, we know that this does this. Or we think it might do this. You need to check if they find that that's obvious potential okay now now this is going to be a really great tort. So you don't really know unless you're in it and you have to really pay attention to everything that comes out like you're doing search volumes and you know uh, the laws and the you know the steering committees you have to pay attention to all of that. This is this is your business, right? It's the business of making sure clients are being taken care of and they're safe. And that includes being on top of the tort that you're dealing with. That's
0: right, Grace. Well, then I guess we are ready for our takeaways. Let's start. Number one, be patient, right? Yes. <laughs> Don't get discouraged. Grace, uh, I think it's uh, it's a good point, right? I mean, n- not just for the marketing side of things, not only be patient for your marketing efforts to, to, to take off and pay off, Right, especially you know, because lately we've been talking a lot about, hey, test this, or while you are out of this platform, why don't you go and try this other one? Well, yes, great, it's great, but then again, a month of running ads in one platform may not necessarily be enough for you to be able to jump into conclusions, right? Definitely, you want to use your month in a productive way. So, run tests, do things differently, have similar ads running at the same time if you can, and see which ones are having better uh, response with your audience. and And dig deeper into those and see whether you can improve things. But then again, right, you still need to let things go and run for uh, enough time for you to be able to understand its potential and real impact. Right, you cannot not be patient with marketing and I guess you can also not be patient with masters right it's a, it's a slow and elaborate process and you need to let it play its course am I right grace when I say that or am I trying to look at things positively when they are sometimes nothing to be looked at
1: well no I mean you should always look at things from the positive light as well as the negative so you know in terms of what you're saying I do agree you know, I mean, and that's why the takeaways, right? I mean, when we separate these things as takeaways and why we talk about it as a takeaway, you need to be patient and that's part of being patient is also diversifying. And I know that should be a technically a second takeaway, but...
0: It is. Takeaway number two, diversifying.
1: Yeah. But that's yeah. part of what you're saying. You know what I mean? It's yeah. be patient, but to be patient, you have to diversify. Because otherwise you just threw all your eggs in one basket and you can't be patient.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree. And that's a hundred percent my advice for people who are, uh, going towards the route as, you know, what I, I could take a break from Facebook for a while, I would say, great, but let's jump into another platform, right? Let's not just take a hands off approach. These are not no times for hands of approach. Grace, uh, if anything, the markets have become way more competitive. And if you want to keep your uh, momentum going, you definitely want and need to be in the game. So don't feel like uh, Facebook is the right platform for you. Then let's look and explore opportunities for your practice area, for your market, in other platforms, right? And then again, you know, if you're doing Facebook ads, you should definitely already be in google ads in the display network so potentially you want to try something like youtube as well right but if you're doing facebook ads for your law firm but you haven't yet started doing google ads then you know what it's a blessing that you have now some time to just uh reset set priorities right because you should 100 percent be on on google ads ahead of being on facebook right higher intent users better quality leads faster results for your law firm so get your game right if you haven't figured it out yet if you have figured it out and you are in google ads and you were uh, also heavily relying on facebook then stay on facebook right don't stop advertising on facebook don't pay attention to the noise you can still you can still show interest and make a donation to these organizations that are standing uh for uh stop hate uh, without necessarily having to put your, pull your outdoors doors out of uh, Facebook, because Facebook is a valuable asset for your marketing. So that's another important thing, Grace, and I think that could be our third takeaway. Don't be distracted by the noise around you, right? You can still stand up for your values. You can still uh, lead a practice and a team with a lot of dignity and contribute to the causes that you care without having to join what seems to be the only way of uh, showing solidarity to uh, causes that you actually believe in. So there's a lot of dignity in still contributing and acknowledging, hey, listen, Facebook is a way in which we enable our business, our law firm to help others, right? And so we don't want to limit our reach and with that limit access to people to find us and know about us and find the help that they need. But at the same time, we also want to stand up for the cause and we want to support it. So what do you think, Grace? Could that be a good approach towards this?
1: I think we need to uh, make sure that we look at everything, right? And that's something that you and I have always said from beginning to end, look at it all, look at the big picture, look at the small picture and do it the way that you want to do it and what is your message yeah. you've said that over and over again don't don't just change who you are don't change your message don't change because that's what's going on right now do not be on fad don't be on trend and I, I don't think most lawyers are really do that anyway to tell you the truth so you wouldn't do that personally don't do that with your marketing don't do that with your business so if, but if you do believe, that is something that you do jump on and then you do go and you do that. But as Liel said, if Facebook and pulling from Facebook would make a huge impact on your business in a way that would be extremely detrimental and you don't feel like you want to be a part of that quote unquote bandwagon of that type, that specific solidarity, there are many, many other ways on Facebook too to be involved. Yeah, absolutely There are many right. organizations.
0: Right. Absolutely. What what I've seen a lot is that there's people who are actually posting in Facebook post uh, encouraging their community to donate to the cause or running out in- initiatives where they would say that uh, donate and we will match your donation. Like there's a lot of things that can be done in order to kind of like stand up for the cause. Right. So every brand has its own way of doing things and its own way of reaching impact. OK, just what we've said, Grace. don't listen to the noise do you and you'll be all right grace have a great weekend right because we are recording this right before the 4th of july weekend and most important stay safe
1: you too as well el thank you so much it was a pleasure as usual
0: my pleasure grace if you like our show make sure you subscribe tell your co-workers leave us a review and send us your questions at ask at intamerapodcast.com